Welcome, Mistorians. Host Austin Heave-She and host Brenda She-Her have been waiting for you. Come along for Secret Histories of Nerd Mysteries. Today is a monumental week for Secret Histories and Nerd Mysteries. This is our 50th episode! 50! That noise looked like my noise, my my air horn noise looks so great on the capture. (laughs) (laughs) That's five zero. That is five times ten or 100 divided by two. (laughs) Yes. So we've been doing this. For, I mean, it's been over a year at this point because we had to take yes. a couple couple weeks off in there because, you know, like, we're human. and um, You know, researching for, like, an entire topic every week, even though we switch off, is still a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Yeah. It, and also making sure it's not the topic we've done before is even is sometimes <laughs> more work because I'll be like, wait, we've talked about that, right? Because me and Brenda talk, like, all the time. So I'm like, we've talked about that on maybe on this. Like, I was talking to someone last night and I was like... No, we've talked about that on the show before, and they're like, you haven't. I've listened to every episode, and I was like, I may have just talked to Brenda about that with my voice, <laughs> and, not, and we weren't recording, but... We were just talking as friends talk. <laughs> so, that is the other hard part sometimes, is the show format is like, what if when we talked, we hit record? Is basically what we do. Basically, and then like, maybe a little more research. Yeah. But some sometimes it's just off the cuff, like. <laughs> yeah, I I mean I can't tell you how many times I've like done topic amount of research for an episode when we're just like talking and I'm like, wait, that's happened before, right? And I'm like, well, I guess I'm gonna go look some stuff up on the internet. I'll talk to you in two hours when I'm done. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's just uh, it's fun though. Like, I mean, it is a lot of work, but it is fun, and I've had a great time hanging out with Austin every week. Yeah, it's been great. Um, yeah. Like, it's been a good way to stay close, because, like, we're mm-hmm. in a Pangea, mm-hmm. and it's... I don't know what I would have done without doing this. Mm-hmm. Something worse, for sure. Yeah, especially since, like, I have a tendency to just, like, close myself off, like, pretty heavily. So this, like, not forces, because I enjoy doing it, but it makes me have to, like, talk to friends. <laughs> Angel holds a gun to Brenda's head every day. And she, it's like, Brenda, you need to get on the podcast. You need to work on the podcast. You need to go to record the podcast. Yeah, it's it's a good way to like just make sure that I stay social and not just like shut myself off in my um, my basement office. Fortress and of solitude. Pretty much. That's what it is. Because I'm like further away from everyone. And I miss everyone very dearly. Well, we miss you too. Thank you. And I don't have a segue. It's news time. Dora. Dora the Explorer. Dora. 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 
There's no door in this. Oh, God, I used to be able to sing it in Spanish, and I can't do it anymore. I've it's never gone. been able to sing it in Spanish. I don't feel bad. It's gone. That's a movie we need to do for Ghosts to the Movies. I yeah, I hear it's really good. It's so good. I saw it in oh, you theaters. Saw it? I saw it in theaters. Oh. Like, me and Donnie went to go see it in theaters, and it it was a blast. Like, we were definitely the, the oldest people there who were not parents, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but had a great time. <laughs> like, I hear I hear great things about it. I didn't know uh, there was a towards, I think it was like in their last season of Nerdificent, they did a Dora episode, and I was like, ooh. I was like, Dora. And then I listened, <laughs> and I was like, I didn't realize Dora was so important. Dora was so important. I had um, no idea. Dora's in like, Dora's like, I. I th- at the time it was made, it was like in the most languages of like any animated property. Mm-hmm. It was in they. Uh, I can't remember exactly, but it was in a few like they had like gotten it into like a few dying languages. <gasps> nice. Uh, I don't remember which ones. Don't don't ask me. But I remember <laughs> that was like that was either something you talked about on the show or something like because you know they t- they ended and I was like, well, I need to know more. So I looked it up. <laughs> Yeah, I gotta look that up, too. I gotta listen to that episode and then keep researching. No, Dora was, like, super important. Like, Mm -hmm. that's why she still kind of has a presence with, like, the Nickelodeon company, even though there hasn't been a Dora for, like, really long time now. Yeah. Um, I feel like we were just a little bit too old for Dora, but we both had younger siblings, so Mm -hmm. we we were well acquainted with the the mythos. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, like, Dora Dora was around, and it was definitely that thing of, like... Oh, my siblings are watching their baby cartoon. Uh, but it was really catchy, and it always got me. Listen. Yeah, there was something <laughs> just about it. We were like, oh, gosh. <laughs> I do kind of enjoy this. <laughs> kids kids' cartoons tap into something, like, primal and all humans. That's just... Because, like, cause like, kids, right? Like, like little... Like, like, preschool children, ages, like, three to five. The mm-hmm. way you have to capture them isn't, like... Like, they like a good story and whatnot, but, like, you need to, like, tap into, like, their brainstem because they are birds. They, you, like, are like, hey, you should stand here. And they're like, yeah. And you turn around and they're like, I forgot what you told me to do, but I did set the table on fire. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, and so it taps into something that, it, like, if it's on and you're in the room, like, suddenly you're, you're uh, like, 20-year-old adult watching Dora on your day off from school. <laughs> mm-hmm. Pretty much. There's just something about it. The the thing about it that is, like, like created to, like, attract the attention of children still gets you as an adult because yeah. that part of your brain is still there in some capacity, mm-hmm. especially when you're in college and you're just, like, very stressed out all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like we all had slide backs into, like, watching kids' shows in college because, mm-hmm. like, everything else was too much. Yeah, well, even, like, Blue's Clues, like, there's a Blue's Clues clip, and I'm scrolling, I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, Blue's Clues. And yeah. I don't know why, and I'll watch, be like, oh, neat, thanks, Blue's Clues, and I'm like, what am I doing? Why? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, why? I don't need to see this. I know my colors already. <laughs> um. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's red. Wait, why am I ant? He's not real. <laughs> yeah. Um, I had a very visceral reaction to the Blue's Clues Pride Parade that just came out. Oh, like, yeah. I- I, like, was just sitting there, and I was like, oh, well, I don't see it. It'll be cute. And I'm just sitting there, and there's just, like, tears rolling down my cheeks. And I'm like, what's happening? <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> <Can> you- <laughs> yeah, I, I saw the clip. Yeah. And it was like, 
uh, I don't know the full episode, but there was, like, letters from kids or something, you know? Or emails, mm-hmm. probably, because it's 2021. And, like, the video opens, and this kid's like, it's Pride Month! And I just started crying, and I was like, oh, <laughs> no. Yeah, and, like, the, the Pride Parade clip is, like, where there's, like, a drag queen, and they're going through, like, all of the, um like, the different genders and sexualities, like, just, like, you know, in, like, a very, like, kid-friendly way. And I was just like, oh, my God. They're all here. <laughs> everybody's here. Everybody's here. That was the whole thing. They were like, everybody's here. Wow. That's it was just something incredible. about, yeah, it was something about like here, because like a lot of shows have representation, but they won't say gay or like lesbian yeah. or, yeah. Yeah, won't. yeah, yeah. And this, there's this Blues Clues clip and they, like they just come out and say like, oh, well, this person's asexual and this person's non-binary. And I was just like, <laughs> wow. It, it just said it. This this little blue dog has so much courage. Thanks, Blue. And yeah. is the... I don't know the new host's name. I don't remember his name. He's cool, though. I like him. Yeah, I know I know people are excited about him, too. Mm-hmm. Because he's Filipino. Mm-hmm. Um, I... When I went to... I did this detective scavenger hunt in Grand Rapids. Uh-huh. A couple weeks ago. You sh- You did. I did. It was really fun. Um, but like there were a lot, you could dress up, um, and there were a lot of groups, there were a couple groups that had like Blue's Clues, like they were like Blue's Clues shirts, but all the shirts were blue. And like someone I was with was like, why is the striped shirt blue? It should be green. And I'm like, well, right now it, it is blue, isn't it? it? Is, and I was yeah. kind of stood there like, wow, it's blue. <laughs> <laughs> the shirt's blue. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway. <laughs> In other news, that's <laughs> technically news. news. <laughs> that That's technically news. I got to see Austin, Austin IRL. You did. Um, we hugged. We hugged. It was great. It was, it was very emotional. I kind of like shut down a little bit because it was just like, <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't cry until I got in the car. We like hugged and then mm-hmm. like my partner was there and then our friend Dante was there and like we hugged and then like it felt like. Dante and my partner were like, oh, God, they're not going to say anything, are they? <laughs> yeah, we were just staring at each other, just like, and like, Hannah was like, looking, and Dante was like, looking, and we were just like, yeah, it's great, it's great to be here. <laughs> <laughs> it was so good. It was, it was a lovely, lovely weekend. It was. Yeah, it was super fun. Anyway, we do have real news. We do have real news. <laughs> I swear to God. I'm not crying right now. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Brenda. I love you so much, Austin. You can't hear, but I'm really close to the mic right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Warner Bros. and Discover Warner Bros. as mm-hmm. they're as you say, uh, Warner Media and Discovery are doing a merger that could close in the next year. Yes, this is wild. Uh, this is very wild and very big. Um, the proposed name is Warner Bros. Discovery, the stuff that dreams are made of. It's a t- <laughs> it's a terrible it's a terrible name. That's a terrible name. It's a terrible name. The logo they chucked together is a terrible logo. Like Warner Brothers <laughs> has like this very distinct, very like old logo that's like you just you know it. And like what they did for like a Warner Brothers Discovery merger was they literally just put it they just put them together they just picked a font put it in gold and then extruded it so it was like 3d (laughs) and then like (laughs) underneath it in like lower like lowercase letters it says stuff that dreams are made of and it's like god 
I could do that. Hire me. Hire Brenda. <laughs> um, they talked about the merger last month, and now they have the name out. Uh, the whole idea is AT&T would spin off their Warner Media arm. So that's mm-hmm. like Warner Bros., HBO Max, HBO, DC, CNN, other stuff. Because they own, like, if Disney doesn't own it, it's probably them, basically. Yeah. Just, just think that. Pretty much. Um, so that's the proposed idea. It would be very big merger. It would be three times the size of the 2020 revenue that Warner Media held. <sighs> Boy. Um, so we'll see. It's they're hoping to wrap up the merger mid 2022. We'll mm-hmm. see if it gets approved because this is a very it's another big merger but i mean they let disney buy everything so yeah it's like this is just what life is like now i guess uh, like disney ate star wars and i was like okay i mean i guess they can't say much about that and the disney ate fox and i'm like that's a competitor are they allowed to do that yeah that was i still feel like they should not have been allowed to do that mm-hmm. um i remember a while back this was like early 2000s it mm-hmm. was AT&T tried to buy T-Mobile, I think. was. What oh, yeah, they did. Yeah. And, and I, there, even yeah. as a teen, I was like, there's no fucking way. <laughs> yeah, and like, I was, I had an AT&T phone at the time, and my parents were on T-Mobile, and it was just like, we're just going to have the same phone plan. But, like, <laughs> just like, a phone. Yeah, so, I mean, but then the government stepped in and shut that down, mm-hmm. but like, that doesn't seem to happen anymore because, like, T-Mobile just absorbs shrimp. 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 Sh- shrimp network. Sprint. I meant sprint. Drake and Josh, real big shrimp. <laughs> God, I want to watch that. Yeah. Um. Anyway, this would make, if this goes through... Uh, Warner Bros. Warner Warner Bros. Discovery. God, that's such a terrible name. It's so bad. Would be by Holdings, the biggest streaming provider, just by like yeah. the amount of stuff. Because uh, Discovery rolls in with Discovery Plus, which has like the their whole like um mm-hmm. library of uh, what reality television yes. <laughs> that's what i mean and the thing about like reality television is that it literally goes on for at least 20 seasons per show usually yeah, like they just it, happen forever. yeah yeah so discovery plus like has there's thousands of episodes of house hunters so like just from sheer volume of things yeah. that they've produced yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh so that's kind of like the idea this is clearly a big idea for AT and the powers that be are trying to beat Netflix and Disney Plus, because mm-hmm. um, HBO Max is doing good, but it's still smaller than both of them. Yeah, because Disney just on name alone, like people have Disney Plus, and just because it's like people grabbed it because it's Disney, and they'll like I'll figure out what's on it later. Yeah, Disney like also made a lot of their things like very scarce for like a very long period of yes. time. Um, that was like really their whole models, and it wasn't just like sh- like movies that were put back in like the quote unquote Disney vault. It was also like shows that we grew up with. So like, mm-hmm. I don't know why my brain was like Tailspin. I don't like Tailspin that much, but Tailspin, Tailspin is, is an one. example. It's one of them. Um, Ducktales and like a lot of original cartoons mm. that hadn't been watchable for a while. <laughs> <laughs> um, it. <laughs> Sorry, now it's stuck in my head. <laughs> did you? So did you know in the Ducktales wiki? They they're like the old one is just Dugtales and the new one is they 
for a while it was DuckTales Woohoo, and I'm like, why is that? Just put the year it came. Who runs <laughs> yeah. this wiki? <laughs> Someone who's got whimsy in their heart and in their yeah. soul. <laughs> uh, but that is the big idea. Is like this will make them a bigger kid in the streaming market because that's like the TV's fucking dead kid. Grow up. <laughs> yeah, like. Um, the new season of Tuca and Birdie is coming out on Adult Swim, and Plum was like, how are we going to watch this? And I was sitting there, and I was like, I have cable. I can get it. I have a cable box in my room. And I looked it over. I looked over at it. It was, like, covered in, like, a layer of dust, and I was just like, I have to stay up until 1130 to watch Tuca and Birdie. <laughs> I wonder if it'll also be on HBO Max, because HBO Max has an Adult Swim hub. God, I hope so. Like, that they would just... Because I want to watch it with Paloma. Like... Mm-hmm. I'm so stoked for Tube and Birdie. Awesome. Yeah, I wonder if it'll be uh, like the next day or week or whatever Hulu. Because it's like, it's Hulu does it too. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it'll be like that. Um, but that's, I, God, I'm looking at this. I, this is such a bad look. Look up Warner Bros. Discovery. Please look it's it up. It's such a terrible logo. It's so bad. Please hire Brenda to make you a better logo. It's so easy to do something better than that. Also a better name. <laughs> Warner Brothers Discovery. Discovery like, Bros. Discovery Discover- Bros. Discovery Warner. I don't know. Discovery like, Warner. Like Discovery should be first. Yeah, I feel, and I feel like Warner Brothers is like we're the older company. So yeah, I guess because AT and T is like the big, like it's AT and T offering to because what AT and T has uh, AT and T. If this merger happens, will own seventy percent of the merged company because they owe shares in both. Good lord. <laughs> uh, and so what's really, like, the people people are saying what's really happening is more of, like, AT&T is uh, being freed, is, like, letting Warner Media go, and Warner mm-hmm. Media is going to get Discovery. So that's why they're like, this is good for you. Yeah, so the kind of, this isn't good, but, like, the better part of that is that, like, AT&T is letting Warner Brothers go. Yes. Which, um... I feel like the whole time that they were, like, together as a company, there was just, like, a lot of cuts, and there was a lot of, like, mostly bad decisions. And Yeah, they weren't um, getting along. Um, no. It's also weird to think, because, like, a telecommunications company is technically in charge of DC Comics right now, because that's yeah. where DC falls under is Warner Media. And they made it pretty clear that they really only were interested in DC for, like, the comics part of it for the movies that could be made from yeah, them. that was a whole fucking thing. Was it, like, Jeez. last year when Jeff Johns was like, we have a lot of things that'll make a great movie one day, and the comic book writers were like, oh, you mean don't go work for DC? Got it. Yeah, got it. It's like, I guess we'll just make our own stuff. <laughs> I don't make, I don't write movies, bro. Yeah, they, they write comics, like... And there's, there is some good stuff coming from DC right now anyway, but boy, comics are in trouble. Jeez. Uh, <clears throat> that's that. Yeah. Um, the other thing, the iCarly trailer came out. Yeah. I think the cool thing about this trailer is, one, Spencer cusses. He says a cuss. Um, it's great. He says a cuss. This kind of feels like what the the um, Lizzie McGuire reboot was supposed to be like. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, because remember that got canceled from yeah. Disney Plus completely. They didn't even like try to take it over to Hulu because it was geared towards people our age who grew up watching it who are now adults. Yeah. It wasn't like Girl Meets World where Girl Meets World was a show for the same demographic as Boy Meets World, not for the parents that grew up with Boy Meets World. Which, you know is, what a I'm weird, saying? which is a weird yeah. demographic, right? They're like, oh, well, that didn't 
like i don't know how that show performed but i'm like i feel like that probably didn't land how they want it they're like let's just gear it towards the people who actually watch it and then and then lizzie mcguire herself is like yeah but i'm gonna fuck in the show right and they're yeah. like no no and she's like lizzie I'm gonna, doesn't fuck she's like i'm an adult i'm not gonna like she essentially's like i'm not gonna do the same storylines but as an adult she's like if she's a 30 something single woman like Mm-hmm. I want her to look like me, and she's like, I've been, in, I fuck. <laughs> and that's also kind of like what Fuller House did, the mm-hmm. sequel to Full House, which I've seen more of than I care to admit. Mm-hmm. And I don't like Full House, so I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was during the period, the pr- the early pandemic, when I watched um, so many sitcoms. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So many bad sitcoms. Too many sitcoms. <laughs> oh my god, I watched all of Cheers. Wow. <laughs> watch Frasier. It's not good. Watch Frasier? I just was out of content. <laughs> the toss salad and scrambled eggs? Toss salad scrambled bambled eggs. Oh, Frasier's geez. such an asshole. Yeah, that show's terrible. Yeah, he's awful. He's awful. <laughs> My mom watched that show and every time she watched it, like, this man is an awful, awful human being to everyone in his life. Yeah, that's what my mom was just like, this is awful. I'm like, what else are we going to watch? iCarly's not awful. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just derailing today. I gotta stay focused. No, you're okay. You're good. You're, you're golden. This is, this, hey, this is our show. This is you, our you show. You can never do it wrong. <laughs> but I want to make sure people know iCarly is not like that, from what we've iCarly seen. iCarly is not, yeah. Um, it looks like it's going to be good and fun and new and old. I'm excited because iCarly before was, like, an interesting premise because it was before... Like, iCarly before was, like, what if Twitch was a thing? But Twitch didn't exist yet. Yeah. So she was meant to be, like, a YouTube star, but it was live stream. And I'm, like, thinking back, I'm, like, what what kind of, like, made-up product were they live streaming to? Because that wasn't a thing before. She was just, like, live streaming alone to her own personal website, which was... Oh, right. She had a yeah. whole webpage. It was, like, iCarly.com. And, then, yeah, it was, like, a whole website where she was just, like, live streaming a show, which yeah. wild to think about now. Yeah, like, that. she is, like, a trailblazer. So, in this world, she is... iCarly, she is now famous, which makes sense, because I'm, like, mm-hmm. she invented Twitch, I guess. Like, <laughs> she, <laughs> she's absolutely rich, because in this universe, she invented Twitch, and yeah. Twitch is a nice wonderful place to stream on always yeah i'm like <laughs> yeah we we won't get into that I, I, you know what maybe in this world she made better twitch she made the yeah. twitch that we should have gotten good twitch good twitch we because <laughs> she's like a media mogul she has like a pr person it seems mm-hmm. and she's going to like events and like art galleries and it seems like she has her own loft that she owns now yeah uh and she's like it essentially seems to be premise is like she misses just doing iCarly. She's like, that was fun. Yeah. And so her and Sam get back together, or uh, Freddy get back together, and they're like, we're gonna do iCarly again. And that's pretty much it. And then shenanigans. Spencer says a cuss. <laughs> Spencer says a cuss. It's really weird because Spencer literally looks exactly the same. So, I was thinking that. I was like, it's so he weird. He aged <laughs> at all. It's so weird. It's like, how old is, how old is this? How old is the actor who plays Spencer? I, I'm on it. You're you on keep, it? You okay. keep talking. Yeah. So, Spen- the like, because Freddy, like, I almost didn't recognize Freddy because, one, Freddy is, like, an adult and is also, like, kind of hot now. Like, Okay, like, so it wasn't just me. Yeah, no, I was just like, who's that guy? And then I was like, is that Freddy? 
Puberty fucking He's, dropkicked him in the he, chest. Yeah, and also gave him a beard. <laughs> yeah, it's so like a he has like okay, so I because I know under that beard he has a baby face for sure. He yeah, he's like if he were to shave that off, he would just look like Freddy and be like, okay, yeah, that's Freddy. But he's he's got this like immaculately trimmed beard. It's so smooth and like this yeah, immaculate just, hair and like yeah, he's like he's like okay. Anyway, uh, Jerry Trainer, who is uh, Spencer, is forty four. Good lord. <laughs> <laughs> he's not that much older than you, you know. You I didn't realize that. I was like, I th- he's got to be in his 50s. And I was just like, am I closer to age to Spencer than anyone else in the cast? <laughs> uh, let's see. How old is Miranda? <laughs> I think Miranda is like close to our age just because I know. Because I feel like I found that out before. Yeah, she's 28. Okay, yeah, yeah so, that's what I that's yeah, what I wow. thought before because she was in School of Rock and I had to I had two a friend of mine was in School of Rock. He was the guitar kid. Oh. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um and so that's how I knew she's around our age cuz like she was around my age then before she was like super famous. Mhm. Uh and Nathan Cress who plays Freddy is all the same age. He's also 28. Wow. But he's huh. 28. He is 28. Miranda Krausgrove is 28 going on 29 because her birthday just hasn't happened yet this year. Goodness. I didn't realize they were so close in age to yeah. us. Wow. That was always my thing. I was like, <laughs> I was always like, I could date Miranda Krausgrove because we're the same age. <laughs> oh. Oh, Nate, look good for him. Nathan Kraus has a kid. Cute. There's a picture of him and his partner. And like, she's pregnant Aww. at the. It looks like. Probably a Carly, like, cast for me or something. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Oh. <laughs> uh, anyway, I Carly good. What's the third piece of news? Uh, what was the third piece of news? Merger. Merger. I good. Yes. Oh, God, it was something we were like, that's the most important news. Was it? If we, we were like, this is the one we need to start with. And then we, <laughs> and didn't, then we didn't do that. <laughs> what was it? Chuck E. Cheese Summer. Chuck E. Cheese Summer Tour. <laughs> We got, we got it. We got it. Chuck E. Okay, Cheese is God. having a summer tour, everyone. Now, I know you're thinking, what does that mean? So are we. Yeah, I'm, I'm Googling it right now to see if any new news has broken on the Chuck E. Cheese summer tour. They're taking a is tour. It, it's da- it's yeah. like the South. It's like Florida, Georgia, and then a few places that were like slight. Like, because I was like, I could, I think one's in Tennessee. I was like, I could drive to Tennessee. Um, It's this summer. They released, like, a EP or a single or something. Like, they released new music. I don't <laughs> oh, know. yeah, there it is. I don't know if it's still Bowling for Soup. I feel like it can't be. Like, I don't think Chuck E. Cheese, who just um, left bankruptcy, <laughs> has, the, has Bowling for Soup money. Because um, for a while, the voice for Chuck E. The current model for Chuck E. Chuck E. of Cheese. Wow. For Chuck E. Cheese. Charles Entertainment Cheese. The pizza rat of entertainment himself was the lead singer Bowling for Soup and, like, the rest of the band playing, like, the music and the ads. Mm-hmm. We have not heard him speak since they got out of bankruptcy again again, as we covered in Chuck E. Cheese Part 2. Yes. So, I, we don't know if it's, like, animatronics or people in fursuits that are going to die on stage in the summer. Or holograms or videos, but they they're playing in outdoor venues, so I'm like, yeah, so it can't be holograms because that's they need inside. Yeah, well, what I'm thinking is they might use the puppets that they use for YouTube videos. Oh, 
Because they've got these pup. If you go to like Chuck E. Cheese's YouTube right. channel, they have like puppets for all the characters. Right. So they might like just set up a stage and like have the puppets. I feel like that's the easiest way to do it. Um, also, did you know that Chuck E. Cheese had a Twitch channel? I did. Yeah, and they use the puppets for the the puppet for the Twitch channel. I so got. I, I want to drop in because like I desperately need to know who's watching that. I feel like they stopped doing it. I also desperately need to know who's who do they think's gonna show up to this con who is this for? Yes. Who is this who's like, I gotta go see Chuck E. Cheese live. I gotta go see it's people who are like, yeah, Helen Henny is hot. <laughs> I, I, okay, we'll move on. <laughs> so Which people do I so I did that video and people are just like commenting like weird shit about Helen Henny and I'm like, please stop. Someone very threateningly not threat. I don't know if it meant to be threateningly, but they were just like, you sound just like Helen Henny. <laughs> and I was just like, this feels well, like a threat. I'm in danger. Hey, 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 listen. I get it. You want to fuck the bird. <laughs> Brenda's not the bird. Leave her alone. Brenda's, I'm not a bird. She, she's not a bird. If that's what you're into, we just want to make sure you're infirm that Brenda is not a bird. I have probably closer to Chihuahua energy. <laughs> no, Brenda, no. Don't give them that. <laughs> so if you want to draw my fursona <laughs> <laughs> I just need to know who who's gonna show up to these cons because like Chuck E. Cheese just came out of bankruptcy again again so kids aren't mm-hmm. into Chuck E. Cheese like they're not making no. money so- is it gonna be parents who are like we gotta get out of this house is it me is it us <laughs> Is it for us? Because, Charles, you can send us an invite. Yeah, like, if you're like, hey, come to see the um, the Clearwater, Florida one, we'll pay to fly you out there and do a we'll fucking, we'll live cover it. podcast. Yeah, we'll, yeah, it'll be great. Let's get this yeah, collab the, going. Please. The locations are Clearwater, Florida, Nashville, Tennessee, Penn's Landing, Philadelphia, which also isn't that bad of a drive for us. Atlanta, Georgia, <laughs> stay, and Dallas. Stay tuned, everybody, for future episodes where we may or may not be at one of these concerts. If we're going, we have to go fast. The one in Florida is on the 5th. That is two days from now. All right. Well, that's it for the show today, everybody. <laughs> Happy 50th episode. We'll catch you next week. We'll catch you next week. We're going to go see That time I did the audio gag. I loved that. That was beautiful. Oh, there's some sample songs on the website. Oh my god. Should I play one? We'll play one after. You have a thing. Okay. Oh, yes. I have a topic. And I I don't know how this is going to go because it was wild. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we're doing our three-part special, which we said last week. Welcome to part one. Welcome to part one, which is Sega. And holy shit. There was a lot that I thought I knew that I didn't know, mm-hmm. and I really had to simplify it because literally it was like, there's like one point in this where it was like back and forth, like this, 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 this. And I was just like, I can't, there's, no one's going to follow that. It, it's, it's wild. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Sega was one of the most prolific video game manufacturers in history. And like at one point in their history, they were able to sell more consoles than Nintendo. Oof. But I hadn't realized really how short that window was and how many 
non-successes Sega had in the process of getting to that one successful console. Mm -hmm. Um, It was wild. So here's the wildest thing about Sega. We're going to start like way, 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 way back in the beginning. What year do you think Sega's history starts, Austin? Uh, Is it the 1970s? No. It starts in 1940. In- <laughs> Wait. Yep. So it starts like right pre-World War II. What? Where do you think where do you think Sega's originated from? Like what area did Sega originate in? I'm gonna think of the most wild place because it can't be normal, so like pre-war hungry. No. It... It is wild, but it got its start in Honolulu, Hawaii in 1940. As what? As a company called Standard Games. Um, This was a company that did, like, uh, very early coin-op machines. So, like, in this period, coin-op machines are, like, some gambling machines. Like, when you go to Cedar Point and they have that little weird, quote-unquote, frontier area where they have, like, all of, like, the weird little coin machines that you can use... This is the era that we're talking about. So, like, the little horse racing one, and then, like, there's, like, um, very rudimentary slot machines and that sort of thing. Like, this is almost before pinball. There was, like, some kind of pinball-esque coin-operated machines, Mm -hmm. but these are all 100% mechanical, no computers. These are, like, weird and fascinating. There's, like, a whole other thing. But this is essentially before video games, before arcade games. Yeah, way before, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, 1940s are they the oldest game company i'm not sure we'd have to like look into that i think technically maybe nintendo is considered tune in next week yeah they didn't originally make games right but yeah so sega has made games since the beginning uh it was founded so it was originated as a company called standard games and it was founded by marty bromley and james humpert um and what they used to do is that they would sell coin-op machines to military bases in Hawaii. And that was, like, their bread and butter. Um, so they went through a couple name changes during this period. They became California Games, and then they became Service Games in 1946. Mm-hmm. Um, however, in um, 1951, the Transportation of Gambling Devices Act, also known as the Johnson Act, was um, put into effect, which prohibited the sale of gambling devices, both assembled and in parts. Mm-hmm. So they weren't able to, like, sell the military bases, and they weren't even able to, like, sell any of their wares in the United States anymore. Um, so they were just like, well, what do we do? We have all these machines. Um, like, where do we where do we take these? Mm-hmm. At this point, World War II is over. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so they turned their attention to um, Japan. And Jesus. they... Japan specifically to sell coin-op machines to military bases in Japan. This is during the Japanese, uh, the American occupation of Japan in the 50s. Um, yeah, I was just like, wow, I'm going on a journey here. It is. Um, we are still in the 20th century. Yes. <laughs> we are in 1950. Yes. And they're like, maybe we'll go to Japan. Oh my god. Yeah. They're like, well, um, what, we can sell these to military bases in Japan. So they, in 1953, they renamed the company to Service Games of Japan. Um, and this is actually where the name Sega comes from because the Se is from uh, service and then the Ga is from games. Oh, so it's just an abbreviation games. of service games. Yeah. 
Um, that name was first used in 1954. Sega! Sega! We're not there yet. Jesus Christ. No, we're not there. I didn't look I didn't look up to when that came into effect. Um, not, but I do not know 1954. When, <laughs> not 1954. Um, so the thing about Sega is that it's actually kind of an amalgamation of like multiple companies that came together. So we just talked about service games from where Sega derives its name. Mm-hmm. But now we also need to talk about a separate company um uh which was called Rosen Enterprises Limited um and was founded by uh Air Force officer David Rosen and kind of similar to like what service games did um David Rosen saw that in Japan um Japanese citizens needed to have photographs for like their IDs in order to get like food and employment and everything <laughs> but they're cool, really yeah. <laughs> Yep, mm. it's yep, it's rough. Hey guys, so he was we just, were real mean to Japan after World War Two. Oh boy, were we mean! <laughs> so he saw a need for like places where people could get their photos taken for these identif- like these IDs, and this is actually where the Japanese photo booth kind of came into <laughs> existence. Are you fucking kidding me, Brenda? I'm sorry. I'm not fucking it, uh, kidding Sega, you. Sega started in Hawaii and also began the photo booth trend. Yep. We gotta put more. Pretty- I gotta stop badmouthing Sega. Fuck. <laughs> it's so much. Sega still makes photo booths, too. Like, those big, like, what do they call it? Prakura? Yeah, pr- they make those? Ooh. Yeah, I think they still make those. Oh I'm my pretty sure. god. <laughs> yeah. So, this is where that, that whole, the whole Japanese photo booth got its start. So, he started importing those, and those were like, really popular and then during this time things kind of stabilized a little bit in japan and japanese people started having like disposable income so this guy's just like well let's bring in more game like some games and just see what we can do so he started importing at this point like there's more like pinballs kind of becoming big like shooting games are like becoming big like all mechanical still this is still pre-video game but he started importing those to japan and especially the hunting games really really took off and were like really successful um so the only issue was that um, it was really expensive to import them at the time. So the game systems essentially cost twice as much like in import fees than the cost to buy the machine from America. So this is kind of like around the time when like Rosen was thinking like maybe we should start making our own, like making things here and go from there. So now we're going to go to 1965. Um Service games had kind of dissolved like a couple years prior, and so most of their assets had been acquired by a company called Nihon Goraku Busan. Um, and then this company purchased Rosen, Dave Rosen's company, and he was this now the CEO of both companies. So um, this is around the time when Sega started moving into first manufacturing um, replacement parts for imported machines, and then eventually shifting into making their own machines. Um, the first game that they worked on was called Periscope, in 19, which was released in 1965. And that was done in partnership with Nakamura Manufacturing Company, which is the company that would become Namco in the future. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> I also want to take this break in you talking mm-hmm. to say, I don't, I just lost the name. You said that it started with Nihaku. Oh, uh, Nihon Goraku Busan. That was, I just want to say, that was sexy as fuck. You nailed that. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, thank you. My heart skipped a beat. And I was like, oh. Oh. Nihongo Jazune. Oh. 
Anyway, continue. <laughs> a good podcast is made up of one person simping for the hot oh. person in the podcast, everybody. I'm so figure cry. out figure out who's the hot person in your life and simp <laughs> for them and then make a podcast. That's what I did. Aww. Austin, I love you so much. I love you too, Brenda. Aww. Tell me more wild, wild fucking bullshit yeah. about how Sega started in the 1940s <laughs> in Hawaii they moved to Japan, and now it's 1965, and they haven't made a fucking game yet. <laughs> yeah, I also know that I had to simplify this. So there was, like, some other stuff that oh, I was just, like... Oh, for sure. Like, getting, like, handed, like, the whole dissolution of service games was, like, really wild. And I was like, this is a lot. We have to simplify this in order to fit into the format. Yeah, I can't... I don't know if people understand that, like... So this show covers nerd stuff. I don't know how to break it to anyone else easier, Every single nerd thing you like is about someone trying to make a lot of fucking money. Pretty much. <laughs> Which means me and Brenda have had to learn a lot about business terms that I never planned on learning in my entire I life. <laughs> I definitely also didn't expect to like do this topic and also have to like tackle the topic of like the American occupation of Japan. <laughs> yeah, like I I think for Chuck E. Cheese we learned about the different bankruptcy types. Yeah, like Chapter 11 bankruptcy means this. And then, like, the um, Toys R Us episode, oh, we had to talk about leveraged buyouts. Yeah. Oh, my What the God. hell? It was leveraged buyouts. And then there's, like, a type of, like, there's, like, it was, like, he- it was, like, a type of hedge funds that only do buy. Anyway. Yeah. We have MBAs. <laughs> it's no big deal. It's, yeah, at this point, we do- we should. So. <laughs> May as well just so fucking get one. Can If we get paid for even one episode, we can write off the MBA. <laughs> Yes, we can. <laughs> Someone send us four dollars for one episode, and then we can write off going back to school. Yes, God, that'd be so good. <laughs> uh, so it's 1965. It's 1965, and Periscope is a hit. Got um, em. yeah. So Periscope was super popular. It's like was a submarine game. The original version of it required like three people in order to play, and they eventually did release like one player versions. Um, so Sega decided at this point like hey in japan this thing is really popular let's do the opposite of what we were previously doing and like send this to america and that was fairly popular however um Mm. in the american like kind of like video game market at the time there was a lot of copycatting happening Mm. this is infamous if we ever talk about like pac-man or something this will come up um but just oh god pac-man yeah, God, Pac-Man and Miss Pac-Man. Oh, fucking hell, Pac-Man. Yeah, Pac-Man. Every single um, space game? Yes, every uh, space game. Every space game. Yeah, the, like, copycatting, especially in America, was, like, really, really prevalent at the time. So Sega eventually was just, like, they would send, like, over, like, a game they made. Someone would copy it multiple times. And then Sega was just, like, we don't want them to do that. So we're not going to send stuff to America anymore. So they kind of pulled pulled back on like manufacturing stuff for american markets Mm -hmm. um this is kind of something that almost like it still happens today like uh japanese like arcade culture does not come here really yeah um it's starting to in very limited capacity for a very very long time we just did not get like japanese arcade cabinets Mm -hmm. unless it was like street fighter or something (laughs) yeah well i feel like it's even like because now it's just, like, the way they do it, right? It's just, like, well, there's not a... It's the idea of when this was happening, and as companies started pulling out from shipping, like, making a market here, there's not a mm-hmm. market here now. 
like we don't we finding an arcade in america is a very rare thing and it's usually like a very specific part of a community that's like kept Mm -hmm. it going yeah it's and like We've got Dave and Buster's, which yeah. is kind of We've got Chuck bit. E. Cheese. I've got Chuck E. Cheese. We've got, um, there's a round one around oh, here. Oh, right, right. Yeah, round which one. Which is, that round one is pretty impressive, which it's is a Japanese cool. company. Anyway, well, I feel so. like they're like, here they have to be a spectacle. They have to be, yeah. There's not just um, like, like when you're in, like when I was living in Japan, there are just like arcades that are just like, there are some arcades in most areas that are not just like residential there's like probably an arcade or two or three like there's just arcades kind of like similar to america right but like much later in our history we're like there were some arcades around and they kind of slowly died off and they were always like something was like arcade and skate rink or chuck e cheese or etc yeah even like the round one that we have in michigan is in a tourist amusement mall it's in a mall called Great Lakes Crossing, which it's is in... Tra- you can say trap. It's okay. It's a tourist... I, yeah, so this is a mall that has an aquarium. It has yeah, it's, a <laughs> tiny Lego land. There's a Peppa Pig it's a, play area. It is a it is a tourist, like, pitfall. Like, someone went yeah. into Animal Crossing, took tin weeds, and made a pitfall trap, and they named it Great Lakes Crossing. And if you go near it, you will be sucked in. You'll see it from the highway. You can be on the highway it's so like, big. no... Like, no, I'm going to Frankenmuth, and they'll be like, Grey Lakes Crossing, next exit. Like, I'm going to Frankenmuth, and it's like, next three exits are still Grey Lakes Crossing, because it's so fucking big. <laughs> it's and so you're gonna, big. you're gonna take one of them, like, I just need to pee, it's okay, and next thing you know, you've never made the Frankenmuth and bought your fudge. Yeah. You can get fudge at Great Lakes Crossing. Yeah, you're though. like, oh, they sell fudge here, and it's the same thing. It's fine. There's, yeah, there's a Rocky Mountain candy company right here. Wow, next to a next to a Rainforest Cafe. Jesus, the, Jesus Christ, that Rainforest Cafe is living on some sort of dark lich energy. I don't know how it's still open, but I did go to Great Lakes Crossing on Memorial Day. I've which was- never... I've never seen people eating at that Rainforest Cafe. I never, no, but I, I like to... I like to kind of wander around the gift shop area because sometimes mm-hmm. you can find like cool gifts mm-hmm. for like like the nieces and nephews in your life. I don't have nieces and nephews, but I have cousins who have kids Soon. who are essential. Oh yes, um, but uh, so I wander around and I'm just kind of wandering around and then like buying like a dinosaur Dominoes for my cousin's kid <laughs> and uh, the like, the girl at the counter is just like, "Hey, do you need a job?" I was just like, no, I don't. I don't know what else you'd be doing with your life if you're inside a rainforest camping shop. Are you some kind of grifter? I don't know. It's just like, I just want to get these dinosaur dominoes for my cousin's kid. Imagine at your last retail shop right now, someone's just kind of walking around the shop picking up books and you're like, hey, do you need a job? That's how I got my job, my last job, though. Are you fucking kidding me? Yes. So the manager, the manager at the time was just like, he literally like peeked around the shelf and was like, hey, I see you've been buying comics with quarters. Do you need a job? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yeah, it was a lot. You somehow anyway, yeah, you just give off grift your energy. I apparently I do. <laughs> the if energy I'm not, of a person like you're probably some sort of grifter passing through town. You need a job for a few months, kid. Yeah, it's like if people aren't asking me if I want to be employed at a location, people are assuming I already work there. That is some sort of like weird energy of like 
I know what I'm doing and I could do it better if you hired me and I'm the <laughs> and I'm in charge here. Pretty much I just exude that energy. Because we didn't wear name tags at my um, right. last job. So I had to exude that energy so people knew I worked there. <laughs> and I can't turn it off. Oh my god. S- yeah. So Sega stopped sending stuff from Sega stopped sending stuff to America. So they're making more and more like game systems. It's becoming popular. But then Sega is just like in the 1970s, the arcade trend is kind of starting to pick up in America. Um, Sega um, decides to open their first arcade in Sapporo. So mm-hmm. they're they're now in the arcade business, which they still are to this day. Yep. Um, they just open more and more arcades. And then they're like, all right. Oh, oh here comes the wildest part of the story. Oh, they're like, God. all right. This is the wildest part. Okay. This there's a lot. I think this is the wildest part, and I okay. don't think you're going to see this coming because I had not heard of this, and I did not know this was coming. Okay. So they decide to move back into the American market. Mm-hmm. They like purchase like um, in a struggling American arcade company. Mm-hmm. Um, oh god, I didn't write down the name. It was like Land of Oz or Adventures of Oz. Mm-hmm. It had Oz in it. Um, so they purchase this arcade. They switch them all over to Sega Centers. In this is just in California at this time. They mm-hmm. change them all over to Sega Centers. Um, it's starting in 1976, and then during this same period, they open their own Chuck E. Cheese type restaurant called PJ Pizzazz. Are you fucking kidding? Me? I am not <laughs> fucking kidding, kidding you. I like saw this and I was just like, are you? Are you serious? We cannot escape this fucking pizza rat. The pizza rat haunts us to this very day. <laughs> it started with the pizza rat and it will end with the pizza rat. Our first episode was on Charles Entertainment Cheese himself. And to this day, <laughs> like once every like maybe like five episodes, somehow it comes up. He rears his his rat head. <laughs> And oh my god, is this a clone? Chuck E. Cheese is around. Mm-hmm. What you said yeah. Is a, yeah, this is a cl- Oh my This is in 1980, so Chuck E. Cheese has been around for a couple years at this point. Like, so they opened <laughs> one location in West Covina, California. Yeah. And there's not much <laughs> there's not much information about it, unfortunately. The mascot was like this robot named PJ Pizzazz. <laughs> And this is the only hey, location. Mom, I want to go to Chuck E. Cheese. We have Chuck E. Cheese at Chuck home. Chuck E. Cheese at home. <laughs> Chuck E. Cheese at home. Hey, kids. I'm PJ Pizzazz. <laughs> Not PJ Pizza. Pizzazz. <laughs> what the fuck? Do you like Sega? Sega. Do you know oh, what a Sega is? This is. Oh, this is not. This is not <laughs> cute. No. Did you, did you look up pictures? I did. It's not cute. <laughs> He's kind of horrifying. Oh my god. You would think the concept of a man in a giant rat costume would be horrifying, but let me assure you, PJ of PJ Pizzazz? <laughs> doesn't look Oh <laughs> god. Sorry, I just saw pictures of like very old Chuck E. Cheese with an Atari machine. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh Is that the one where he is definitely a rat still? Yes, he's. This is yeah. definitely rat. This that is horrifying. I, I found know, pictures he's... of PJ Pizzazz. Did you send me those? Because I could only find like one or two. It's. I will send. I'll drop those in our chat. Yes. So, so Sega's like, what if we were Chuck E. Cheese, and that immediately fails. <laughs> yeah, and I couldn't find information about when it failed or why it failed. But it did. But 
I think you just have to look at a picture of PJ to like kind of really understand why. <laughs> yeah, and this that is, is yeah, that is like I found a picture of PJ itself himself. It says mechanical man, and I'm like, this isn't cute. No. It looks like a trash can. They it looks like a trash can, not even like a trash can. They like fun. It's like a trash can that they didn't put like. It's just a, a trash can. Tra- it's just a, it's a trash can. They put like arms on. Yeah, it's he's not cute, and I'm like, is there a guy in there? Is there a little guy in there? Oh my god! Yeah, hey, it if is. Anyone out there has like more pictures of PJ? Oh, he's a Pinterest board. He has a Pinterest. <laughs> no, it's just a picture. It's a picture just the front of it. If anyone has pictures of the interior of PJ Pizzazz, I now desperately need to know this. I want to see his entrails. <laughs> I need to see the guts. <laughs> Yeah, all of the pictures of the same. There's like two. There's a picture of PJ Pizzazz and a picture of PJ of like the outside. And that's outside. It. What does the inside look like, though? This is what I want to know. What was happening inside PJ Pizzazz? What happened? I want to be in the room where it happened. Oh, and our network's located in California. So maybe someone oh. from our network can tell us. There's a Target store there now. Really? Yeah, I found like the. I found the like shopping center it was in. <laughs> They paved PJ Pizzazz and put up a Target parking lot. <laughs> if anyone, yeah, people ever said we don't try hard enough. I've now found the shopping center and I'm trying to go through their, if I can like cross reference their history to find interiors. Oh, I bet I could find, I'll do that later. I bet I could find like the city, um, the like build out site stuff because that's public information. Yes. All right, we will do more research on this and get back to you for Chuck E. Cheese Part 3. Yeah, Jesus fucking hell. Add another <laughs> one to the list, PJ Pizzazz. So Sega, yeah. Sega's now, what if we were Chuck E. Cheese? What happens next? So, gotta go back. This was in 1980. It 1975 is when Sega starts using their modern day logo. So, like, those very uh. iconic blue letters. And it's changed, like, a little bit over the years. Like, the color blue has kind of, like, changed a little bit. But mostly, this is the logo that Sega still sticks with to this day. I feel like nowadays, Uh, it changes to match Sonic's blue. Pretty much. Like, whatever color Sonic is, the logo is. Yeah. Um, Previously, it had been, like, a very, like, kind of, like, thin, almost, like, German-looking lettering. Mm -hmm. Very thin, very tall, red Mm -hmm. letters. Mm -hmm. It was, like, angels eating plastic. Um, nom, 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 Wait, give me a second. <laughs> Don't Google it. I'm not Googling it. I You just asked me what <laughs> happens in 1983. I'm like, well, a lot of stuff happens in 1983. My The first thing my brain thought of was Fraggle Rock. <laughs> Welcome to Fraggle Rock. If anyone was curious, it started in 1983. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Because the Challenger is 1983, isn't it? But that's video games is something. Who is it? What'd they do? So... The video game crash of 1983 occurs. Oh, the crash. <laughs> Which is really just like the crash was really just, there were like effects of the crash kind of felt around the world, but it mostly affects the United States market. Gotcha. So for those of you who don't know, in 1983, the video game market in America crashed 
due to like an oversaturation of consoles on the market and then mm. like a poor quality of games for those consoles. Mm. Um, at the center of this was um, Nolan Bushnell's company Atari, which was the biggest like video game company in the United States. They got their start doing arcades and then moved into home consoles and had like a very successful run with home consoles. Um, but their follow-up machine... Yeah, but the follow-up machine <laughs> I to I just the- talked about that last week. I was like, <laughs> in, 1985, okay. in 1985, they were covering from the video game crash. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, no worries. When you get put under the gun, everybody. Yeah, it's sometimes it's stressful. So a big catalyst of this event was the release of the infamous E.T. game for the Atari. Oh, um, I believe it was released for the 5200, which was the follow-up to the 2300. Um, the 5200 is an awful machine, just awful so um and then there was also a very subpar port of pac-man and these were kind of like the catalysts for like everyone just being like i think we're just done buying video games because we they're just not good video games were just bad which is why to this day nintendo kind of has like a very very strict policy about video game quality mm. unless it's on the eShop. 2600 damn it is it's, it's who's who's checking it's a it's a 2600 the 5200 and the 7800. Yeah. Let me wait. Let me go check that last one. Hey, I'll hey. be right back. There's one right over here. There's a 7800 right over here. Hey, at it. hey, everybody. The the uh, naming conventions of games have gotten much better. Thank you. Shout out to whoever at Sony was like, there's just going to be the PS1, the PS2, the PS3, like, the, the PS4. Thank, yeah, thank did, you. <laughs> did Microsoft not learn? Like from Atari's mistakes, that we it have is the, the Xbox, the Xbox 360, Xbox 360, Xbox One, not the first one. There's the Xbox <laughs> One X, Xbox Series One. I like my Xbox in my current house is the new one. I cannot tell you what its fucking name is. The Xbox 365 Days Over Two. <laughs> Chain of memories. Chain of memories. Yes. It is the 7800 was the the third Atari system. I ran over and I checked because there's one sitting over by the hot tub. Nice. Um, so, yeah, video video games ain't got no money. Nerd culture between the 80s and 90s had it, had it rough. It was wild. Yeah. So video games have crashed. Arcades are no longer popular in America. Arcades have like the, um, the uh, cl- collective people think arcades are places for shady shit such as drugs and sex um drugs so. sex rock and roll it's the 80s reagan's in charge oh no purity culture's taking over pretty much um so people are like well we don't want to go to arcades because those are shady places sex drugs rock and roll too many teenagers too many teenagers and teenagers suck just yeah. kidding teens are teens are great well it's the idea like <laughs> teens are up to no good especially teen boys are up to no good and yeah corrupting pure good teen girls and they're also no good and so you can't send your kids there because there's sex drugs and rock and roll and this teens is, don't yeah. have money they're just loitering because they're teens and they don't have money they like spent their money to eat because they wanted to mm-hmm. hang out and so arcades aren't making money because teens are just kind of hanging out because they need some place to exist yes they just need something to do <laughs> the, yeah and it's like we've just spent the past couple decades removing every avenue for teens to go do things yes. <laughs> what are they supposed to do god so the video game market has crashed in america so sega's once again kind of pulls out of the american market 
another time. <laughs> They're just like, well, this isn't going anywhere. So meanwhile, a little lone company known as Nintendo, <laughs> you might have heard of them. <laughs> They're working on their first home console, which um, it's called the Famicom. You might know it better as the Nintendo Entertainment System or the NES. Nintendo's like, don't, um, even, don't even worry about it. Don't even sweat it, Sega. We, you're right. Don't even worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> so Sega is just like, well, maybe um, the current um, Sega Enterprise president, Hayao Nakayama, is just like, maybe we should also try at least making like a home computer and just see how that goes. And everyone's just like, I guess we'll try. And so this original endeavor for Sega was not projected to do well at all. <laughs> they were just like, eh, we'll release it and we'll see what happens mm. and we'll go from there. Mm. So Sega released the SG-1000 on the exact same day Nintendo releases the Famicom. It begins. It begins right out of the gate. Nintendo releases their first video game console. Sega releases their first video game console. And really the SG-1000 was more of a personal computer. So I'd kind of compare it more to like a ZX Spectrum mm-hmm. or a Commodore Commodore system. Like because it had computer functionality mm-hmm. first and foremost and then video games. Yeah. So Sega wasn't expecting it to do well. They like projected a sale of like 50,000 units. Um but they actually sold 160,000 units. And this was kind of like in part to the fact that like Sega had a larger library of games upon release. And also when the Famicom was released, it had a faulty chip, like a faulty circuit um, and had to be recalled and then re-released. Well, at this period, Sega has more name power because they started in the 19 fucking forties. Yeah. So Sega has been around in like the form of like arcades and um, like, the creation of arcade machines so it has more brand recognition than nintendo does because before this nintendo was releasing just straight up toys yeah um, i mean everyone i we are covering nintendo next week everyone but i just need you to think about like at this point in time nintendo is not nintendo they are no. like they they come out and most people are like who is this like they don't even have the business connections to be doing this mm-hmm. they didn't like they had like a couple of like their hard-hitting employees on staff at this point. So Gunpei Yokoi, who was the designer of the Game Boy and the Virtual Boy, all things considered, was working for <laughs> Nintendo at this time. And then, um, oh my goodness, who is the big boy? Which was the big boy of Nintendo? Which? The guy who made Mario. <laughs> oh, uh, um, it's Ma. It's also Ma. Who is he? Oh, <laughs> oh no. Well, take my nerd card and throw me in the trash. <laughs> Let me look this up. Who? Um, uh, Sh- Shigeru Miyamoto. Yes. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> um, comparing sorry, the Shigeru. design. <laughs> sorry, buddy. Comparing the design of the two systems, the Famicom looks more like a toy, um, and then the this SG one thousand looks more like a what a computer's like a home computer looked like at that right. time, and it has like a very like Atari esque controller with like the big joystick mm-hmm. um more similar to the controller that i think came with the 7800 that had like the it was like more remote shaped instead of like the classic square atari controller yeah. um let me get back to my new i was gonna say again the market right now is not like you're like the family looks like a toy and again like the market right now is not kids and families it's not who's like no. buying games games are like teens and like adult mostly like adult cis men that is like who they are 
who's who they're gearing it towards because they're like mm-hmm. kids play with toys like kids don't play yeah. on computers because it's like sex drugs and rock and roll yeah like playing on a computer at that point involved like having to do some complex coding to get games to run mm-hmm. uh, if you've ever used DOSBox, you've done this <laughs> um the cool thing about like the famicom is that you literally just put a cartridge in and you just go mm-hmm. and you just play a game so it was like really like the first like gaming system that was intended for children like mm-hmm. even like down to the size of the controllers because like the famicom is like the tiniest oh, ass God. controllers on the face of the planet <laughs> one, one of my i was when i was in japan for school they had like the uh house i say that had like an old famicom like a first Ooh. famicom yeah which was wild that they just had like they just they're just there for like 10 bucks uh, yeah it's like how here we just run into like an nes and it's like yeah it's like 10 bucks unless it's like the top loader and we're just like wow cool yeah. <laughs> like uh and i could fit my hand around like one, <laughs> like one of my hands is like yep this is the controller and i'll grab the other controller and here we go <laughs> they're so tiny they're so little um yeah so sega initially had good success mm-hmm. but the problem is, is nintendo had less games but nintendo maybe had better games um yeah so sales of the um sales of the sg 1000 kind of started to go down like go a little bit lower um sega did release like a mark like a second version of it that was like a little more beefy um but it was the third iteration of the system called the mark three that is the one that's we're going to focus on now that was important because this is the system the first system that sega um tried to market to the united states and it has a different name in the united states can you guess which one this is austin it's time the it's beginning not the genesis it's not the genesis i know, I know <laughs> okay. It's not the genesis. okay okay just want to make sure <laughs> <laughs> but it's time they're in america they're in america it was um, so wanted to get back into America. Oh, wait, let me back up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mark III was released in Japan in 1985, and it was more powerful than the Famicom. So already Nintendo and Sega are kind of like pitting their systems against each other based on like their power. Um, this becomes very relevant later. Um, it kind of, it still struggled on the Japanese market and really couldn't find its niche. Mm-hmm. Um, Sega never really worked with third-party developers because third-party developers, as they were part of the arcade business, all the third-party developers were their direct competition in the arcade business. So they were very hesitant to work alongside these people who were also their major competitors. So they didn't have any third-party games. Unlike Nintendo, who did have like a strict like quality assurance, but they did have third-party manufacturers that they worked with. Um, Sega didn't want to do that, so they really limited their game libraries and, like, the diversity of their game libraries. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Around the same time that Nintendo was releasing the Famicom to the American market as the Nintendo Entertainment System, um, Sega of America was established in 1986. Um, so Sega created, like, a whole branch of their company in America in order to um, redesign the Mark III into something that the American market would want. Um, which is why when you compare the designs of the Mark III and the designs of what we know as the Sega Master System, they look so distinctly different from each other. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the Sega Master System looks like an Atari system. It looks like a game system. It's got like very like kind of like sleek design to it. Mm-hmm. And in Japan, the Mark III, it's like it's white plastic console. It looks like a computer. Um, their designs are so different. Um, the Master System was announced at the Consumer Electronics Show in 1986. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to episode 49 of Secret History of Nerd Mysteries for more on the Consumer Electronics Show. <laughs> and this, this is pre-E3. It so is. It was the Consumer Electronics Show. And it was released to the public later that year in December. And while during the holiday season it managed to outsell the Atari 7800, it just could not keep up with the NES. Um, Good dips. And yeah, and by 1988, Nintendo held 83% of the home video game market in America. Nothing can touch them. They are untouchable. Unkillable. They are on top of the world. The Alpha and the Omega. <laughs> <laughs> what could possibly happen, says Nintendo? What could possibly go wrong? So Nintendo, who was originally a toy company, um, originally marketed the Nintendo Entertainment System as a toy to the American market. Mm -hmm. Because at this time, when they were moving back into the American market, they, um, nobody wanted video games. So they had to decide like how they were going to get this thing into the hands of American consumers. And it turned out they just had, Nintendo just had to go back to their roots and sell it as a toy in the toy aisle. Why? Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This is also why, and sorry, I'm going to give a Nintendo fact. And you can repeat this next week. But this is also why early Nintendo Entertainment Systems were bundled with the Rob Robot. Because yep. he was an additional toy and could get people to purchase the system. He's completely useless, but he's out there. He just, it's he's, important. He, he's hanging out. He's doing his best. He's in Smash now. He's in Smash now? Yeah. Good job, Rob. He's, he's out there. Down being He's expensive. Yeah. <laughs> he's a very expensive toy. He's so expensive now. Um. So trying to the master system's not doing well in the American market. So trying to copy Nintendo in 1987, Sega um, sold the distribution rights of the master system to the toy company Tonka, um, and um, Tonka still couldn't drum up sales for the master system. That's just uh, like wild. They make fucking trucks. <laughs> I know. Like they had what? never worked with video games before. You guys want to sell our video game Trucko Burr? <laughs> like. <laughs> You, you mean us yeah you got we Wait. sell toy trucks yeah we, we need to sell it like it's a toy no i get that but it like like toy trucks like we we've made the same toy truck for the last like 400 <laughs> years i think how many action sounds does it have <laughs> what how many action sounds does the master system have it can make a lot of sounds when you're playing a game. All right, I'm gonna take note of that. <laughs> Any of those go beep beep like truck horn. Can we can we put a button? Can we have like have a cutout where it's like try me? Yeah. You have uh, to put a game in it for it to do anything. Oh, I see. Hmm. Hmm. We'll talk to Toys R Us. Maybe we can get something, some way for people to demo it. Oh. I don't know if that's can? how demos happen. Everybody, I, I have no idea who started I, yeah. that. Probably Toys R Us. We'll look into that in the future. But yeah, so Tonka didn't have any experience with video games. This is also around when like Mattel and Hasbro were trying to make their own game systems. <laughs> one of which we talked about in the Night Trap episode. Did. Uh, those didn't go very far at all. Um, 
And also, Tonka didn't get very far at all. Um, around this time, Tonka had purchased the struggling toy manufacturer, um, Kenner, which is famous mm-hmm. for making the original Star Wars toys. Mm-hmm. And so that was like, you know, they didn't have a lot of money from that. And then the Master System wasn't selling, so they stopped buying, like, parts to make more Master Systems. So there just weren't any being produced in the United States. Mm-hmm. So... Needless to say, it was a partnership that did not go very well. This time in American culture is so wild because it's the 80s. It, this is when, like, every every product that you were, like, into now, this is when it got made, sorry. Um, yeah. This is when people found a way to commodify it. And so, like, every single business is, like, trying to do every single flash in the paint. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like, people are trying to, like, get on the next big craze, which oversaturates the market and causes a crash <laughs> like so games had theirs in 83 comics has theirs in the 90s generally uh beanie babies was the late baby beanie babies i feel like animation also had theirs like throughout like the late 90s as like disney overset like everyone is oh, like animated movies yeah Mm-hmm. Every yes. everyone is like, I have to be on the hot next thing that makes kids makes their parents spend money. Yep, pretty much. And boy, we get some weird stuff from all that <laughs> shit. Looking at you, Anastasia. Oh man, Anastasia. Anastasia. I liked that movie. It's it's I'm weird towards it. It's, it's a, so it's weird. A, it's a weird premise to walk back and be like, that's like a real. There's like a real. People really died. die. This isn't just like an urban legend. They, like people on the record died. We factually, no. Pe- the people who died, like people who knew them, were so alive when this movie got made. That didn't happen that long ago. Like because they posed. Like it, theoretic, yeah. They, theoretically, if Anastasia still like did not die that day, she might still be alive. Like they pose like, it as like fantasy, like 1700s, and it's like. It was, it was, you know, like, your grandparents were alive. It saw it on the news. Yeah. Wild. Because that's yeah. the Sega Master System. It's Sega Master Tonka System. Trucks. Yeah, so Sega Master System just kind of flopped, unfortunately, in the American market. But a quick aside, before we continue with the history of Sega um, in America, mm-hmm. um, the Master System is actually the longest-lived video game system in history. Really? Yes. Huh. Um, it games for the master system are still being produced in Brazil. Like new, <laughs> new games, new official games for the master system are still being produced in Brazil to this day. Can you buy a master system in Brazil? Yes. I am going to add something to my list of stuff to do and I might... <laughs> How much would it be to get a master system from Brazil? I don't know, but it's just, it's so wild. Like, the previous system that was the longest list system was the Atari 2600 because oh. games were still being made for that pretty recently. But since then, the, um, well, Atari does barely exist anymore. Since then, the um, Sega Master System in Brazil, it it's still going. And it was a lot more popular in Europe where computer gaming, as opposed to, like, console gaming, was more popular during the time. So systems like the ZX Spectrum, which was like a home computer, and then the Commodore, which was also a home computer, those were king in Europe, as opposed to us, where we had the Atari systems, and then we had like the Nintendo systems. Um, So it did pretty well outside of the United States, outside of Japan, and especially very well in Brazil. I need to know like what games are coming out. I know, I didn't have a chance to look it up, but it it's 
absolutely baffling. It's what? it's so cool though. What the fuck? <laughs> what is Sega? Okay, so okay, continue. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, after that, um, the co- in 1988, the company NEC released the PC Engine, which we know in America as the Turbo Graphics 16, and this was the first 16-bit console on the market mm. in history. Now, this is where bits become important. And we're getting close to where I stopped because I wanted to stop like towards when our third episode would kind of come. So mm. we're gonna we're almost at the end of of the history. So the bits are important now. You're the bits. Everyone loves bits. Everyone loves those bits. Um Sega sees this and sees like the astounding graphics that you can get out of a Turbo Graphics 16. Um and it's just like we need to have a 16-bit console before Nintendo has a 16-bit console. Yep. Because Nintendo's system and the Master System as well were both 8-bit consoles. And you can do so much more with 16 bits. Double the bits. So Sega was Double like, the, fun. Yeah, the bits. The bits. Um, Sega was just like, all right, we got to get in on this and we have to. We have to beat Nintendo to market. Mm-hmm. So they began work on the Mega Drive, which we know as the Sega Genesis. And I'm not going to go too far into the specifics of the Sega Genesis because honestly, the Sega Genesis is an episode on Jesus its own. Jesus fucking hell. <laughs> we talked about it a little bit with Night Trap and we said the same mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, the Sega Genesis, this is Sega's big console. This is the console that managed to outsell Nintendo. This is the console that had like the longest life bes- besides Brazil of any Sega console. Yeah. This is Sega's big success. This is it. Because they would... Yeah, they did not have success before the system, and they would not be able to replicate the success after the system. This is it. This is the beginning of the console wars. I don't know what that is. <laughs> Me neither. We gonna, were both. I was gonna we go for <laughs> Duel of Fates, and I was like, I don't know. We. No, they have a lot of interns. Someone will sue us. <laughs> um. Sega would release two more consoles after the Genesis, the Saturn, and the Dreamcast. And somewhere in there is the Sega Pico, which isn't important, but that was like a kid's gaming, like a very young kid. It's like a leapfrog. It's in there, though. The Dreamcast was ahead of its time. The Dreamcast was really ahead of its time. And Sega really did a lot of things that were ahead of their time. Uh, Like, I just learned that there was a modem that was compatible with the Genesis that was released in Japan and was supposed to be released here. Yeah. The oh. video game historian on YouTube just did a video about it that came out. Oh, like, a like days ago. oh my god! Yeah, so they were planning on having um, remote video game like game experiences w- way back in like the late, the early nineties, late eighties. Like Can you, uh, they were wait, already. I planning. need, I need us all to imagine how terribly slow that would have been, though. <laughs> it was terribly slow, and according to the video game historian's video, it was slow for its time. <laughs> Like, I want, it was n- you'd have, not a good modem. You'd have to do, like, turn-based, boring war games, right? Like, you couldn't play, yeah. like... Because here they got known, during the Genesis, and they got known for, like, punchy, fast games. The Genesis was known for its blast processing, and um, Sonic was created to show off how fast the Genesis could move. Sure, we talked about that back in our Sonic episode. One of the, we did yeah. two Sonic episodes, or, like, three. We already. did. <laughs> 
there's so many more episodes we could do on Sonic. Jesus. Like, I feel like eventually somewhere down the line, Austin's going to do one on Shadow the Hedgehog. Oh, dude, not fucking late. <laughs> I'm, I'm ready. I'm so ready. So. Such <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah. I think that's where I'm going to stop because I think that's a good point to stop at with the history. Um, what It was a lot more than I expected. What is so interesting to me, right? Is Sega mm-hmm. gets into games with like, we'll see if we can make a few bucks. I'm not really concerned about it. We have ways to make money. It goes, it does go pretty okay. And then they're like, we are going to triple down on this. Mm-hmm. Specifically, yeah. and, and I get it. It's like specifically here in the States because like the other markets are successful and we don't have those. We don't have photo booths outside of special events. We don't have a big arcade market. Like Mm-mm. it was so weird being in Japan. And going to arcades and, like, having, like, Sega sections. Because I don't, like, it's not a market here, and I don't really play those games. Because, like, they'll get at least here as, like, console games. Yeah. Right? Like, when they talked about the Sonic event, there's, like, Sonic's doing all these crossovers with, like, arcade games that here are, like, mobile games. Mm-hmm. And it's weird for them to try and, like, branch it out here. Because I'm like, that market isn't here, and you kind of decided not to invest in the market here. So it's, like... It seems like to us, like that's literally nothing. Yeah, it's very weird to just think about it, like because arcades really originated here mm-hmm. in America, like the big big arcades. But it was like the whole purity culture of like the late seventies and early eighties, mm-hmm. mid all of the eighties. It still goes on to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, really destroyed the arcade market. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we almost destroyed the home market, but we got that back. Yeah, it was it's, it was weird because it was like the idea of like, if your kids are just hanging out, they could be doing drugs or having sex. And it's like, I mean, I, I like, like mathematically, you're correct, right? I guess if yes. any person is left alone, they could do that, but they could, there's a lot of things they could do. Why is it, it was, it's still so it's, weird to think of like, why is that that like, if your kids are reading comic books they could like see a titty and you're like no i guess they could and i'm not saying we shouldn't have a way to make sure like a little kid doesn't see a titty in a comic book but there's also lots of other things that could happen and why is that what we're worried about (laughs) exactly like why it's so baffling oh that was i can't 19 fucking 40 i'm yeah i'm i am flabbergasted PJ Pizzazz? Hello, humans. My name is PJ. I will be serving. Do you think the pizza came out of the robot? Because if it didn't, that's a he missed just, opportunity. He just like spits it out. Like, bleh. Well, because I don't know go. if they would have had the technology for like a, like, they would have had warmers. They just make the robot a warmer on wheels, right? That like. Yeah. You can remote control. We have remote control cars by then for sure. They may not be cheap oh, parts, sure. but. And it just goes over to the table. And, like, a slot opens, or, like, the thing opens, right? Like, maybe, like, the chest just opens. And the server's like, here's your pizza, you, you know? And the robot's like, have a nice meal. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't know what technology they had then, but, like, this could have been... we, um, Brenda, in an infinite, ever-expanding universe, <laughs> there's a solar system where instead of a Chuck E. Cheese episode, we talk about PJ Pizzazz and the robot overlord. Yeah, which is absolutely, like, there's a, there's a universe where Sega... Sega's... Robot pizza joint is <laughs> Sega forego. They never they forgoed all of the games, and they're like pizzas where it's uh, they. If that the fact that they latched onto games, right, is purely because it took mm-hmm. off. If the pizza thing works, yeah, 
they would have just been like, yeah, we make pizzas now. Deal with it. Oh, my God. We could have had a yeah. Sonic pizza-themed restaurant. Oh, my God. Sonic could give me a... Sonic could hand-feed me a pizza. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Yeah, that's all the time we have for today. Goodbye. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of Secret Histories of Nerd Mysteries. Our music was provided by Esperanza Garay Negron, and you can find their music on Bandcamp at knifenun.bandcamp.com. Our introduction was voiced by Cafe 3G. You can find him under that handle on Twitter and Instagram. This podcast is a part of the Nacellecast Podcast Network. You can find us at Nerd Mysteries on Twitter. The show is edited and produced every week by the amazing host Brenda. And as a reminder, please, please, please... If you're listening to Apple Podcasts, throw us a five-star review. Helps the show out a lot. Tell a friend about the show. And until next time, historians, see ya.